welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read a double portion of the Torah. We read Parashas Behar and Behukotai. And um, one thing that stands out while we're reading these Torah portions is that the human condition is that need, that we all have that need to growth. We, need, we all have a need to, to expand ourselves, to reach our potentials. People always want to be better today than they were yesterday, and they want to be better tomorrow than they were today. And we're all struggling to be able to grow and flourish and really reach our potential. Sometimes life gives us blows and we feel like we're never going to get there. People, some people even give up on their pursuits for growth. But this is a very positive trait, very positive quality in, in the character of humanity. And that is the need for, for a person to be able to be better. And this, uh, this re really is the nature of the soul. This comes from, comes from our essence. And so for the soul of man is actually a part of God. Uh, the human being is a very complex being. We have many parts to ourselves. We have uh, a body, we have intellect, we have emotions, we have uh, traumas, we have personalities. Uh, we have a, a lot of things going on. But the truth is, is that when we do, when we're, we, we're able to connect to that essence, to that holy part that's within ourselves, which is actually a part of God himself, then we will see that the sky, there's no limit. Even the sky is not the limit because the, the soul in essence is infinite like God. So the potential is never really acquired. A person can be here and then get here and then get here and then here. There's never ending. Uh, there's a never ending ability for the grow, for the soul to be able to grow and reach higher, uh, higher heights. Let's say intellectually and emotionally, we do have limitations because they're part of the body and the body is a physical entity which has its limits. But when we connect to that essence, to that never-ending light, uh, which is infinite, when we connect to infinity, the, there's no limit to our growth. So, so although this desire for growth is really universal, its expression varies from individual to individual. Uh, for do all want to continue advancing, many do not know how to even start to get to where they want to be. And so one of the biggest, um, let's say, blockages or walls that are put in front of us uh, that uh, hinder our, our ability to grow is the lack of knowing how to do it. So how does a person find a never-ending path uh, to personal growth? How can we ever reach to a place where we can really expand ourselves and know where to go, how to get there, will tell us, guide us the, the way, guide us the path. And so this really comes from the from this Torah reading, the Behukotai, the second Torah reading, really gives us a lot of answers in this subject. So the, the parasha begins saying, in Behukotai, which generally translated as if you follow my statutes, uh, if you follow my directives, then this and this and this and this and this will happen. If you don't follow my directives, then this and this and this and this will happen. But this word behukotai can also be translated to statutes, 
right? Not only directives, not only if you follow my, 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 my directives, but it can be translated to status, uh, and, and as it's translated as follow, also means proceed. If this is a way to proceed, and it's used in several sources as an allusion to personal growth, behukotai, my status. And also, this refers to a very specific category of mitzvot, which are called the hukim. We know there's three types of mitzvot. You have the, the mishpatim, the hukim, and the, and, the, and the mitzvahs that we do out of tradition. The mishpatim are regular laws that we follow because they're obvious. Uh, even a cat would do them. We can learn from a cat how to not kill, not steal, right? But uh, these are logical, any society, decent society would come up with them, even if they're not uh, mandated by God, they could come to implement these laws. Uh, it's it's civism, civism. Uh, it's, it's what makes a society be proper and, and abiding law citizens and have order. Uh, anyways, these mishpatim are given by God and we keep them not because we, in, with our own intelligence, come to think that this is the right way to live, but we keep them because these were directed from Hashem. But this Bechokotai really is um, alluding to this other order of, of uh, mitzvahs that we keep that are called the hukim, which comes from the word hok, which really are mitzvot that are supra-rational, they, they make no sense whatsoever. Uh, a person would never come up with this, like a person would never say, okay, you cannot mix milk and meat when you eat or cook it together. You could not, um, you could not uh, wear clothes that have uh, both uh, linen and wool in it. Uh, there's many hukim that we, that we keep that we really don't have an answer for them. We, there's no logical explanation for them. Uh, obviously, one could come to uh, conclusions, like if I eat meat and milk, I'm, I don't feel so good. I can feel my digestion being very heavy. But this is not really the reason why we, we keep them. We keep them because Hashem said so, and so uh, we are limited in our makeup, in our physical makeup. So if you wanna transcend, then you have to jump higher than yourself. So the word hawk means to engrave, and this is a contrasting difference between writing and engraving. When you write something on paper, eh, you have to use ink. The ink is gonna be separate from the paper. There's not the same entity. The, you, you can write it, you can read it, but the ink is the ink and the paper is the paper. And if uh, it would get wet, maybe the, the words would disappear. Hawk, uh, hukim, really comes from engrave. And the contrast is that when you engrave something, when you engrave something, then it's, it's something that it's, if you take a stone and you engrave in it, it's not two separate entities. The, the words actually come from the stone. So like the Luchot, like the Ten Commandments that were written in stone, they were engraved, they, nothing could erase them because they're part of the stone. So, the, so we see that uh, writing is also considered one of the 39 categories of labor, melachim, that we abstain from uh, on Shabbos, on, Yom, on uh, the Yom Tovs, that we don't, we don't do them. Um, we can see that to engrave, it's a much bigger effort than when you write. 
So in this context, Rashi interprets in Behukotai as meaning if you labor in Torah study, if you do more than merely study and arduously apply yourself to the Torah, when a person dedicates himself in his fashion, the words of the Torah will become engraved in his heart. So when a person puts his effort to learn Torah, to sit down and, and have hours of learning every day, like for example, you're gonna say, okay, I, I need to grow. I need to really connect more to Hashem. I have to become uh, a person that is more dedicated to God. I really want to get to know my soul. I want to be, have a relationship with God. This is gonna take effort. This is not like writing in paper. This is gonna be more like engraving your, your neshama. So a person that sits every day, continuously, dedication. Um, it's not like I go to one shiur once in a while. No, every day I have a set learning. I know I'm gonna learn this. Something that is excellent to do this is the Hayenu, which is a booklet that you purchase. They also have the app. And there you have the, the Humash uh, with the Rashi. It's divided by the days of the week. You have the Tehillim of each day of the week and you have the Tanya and it has also the Rambam, it has set learning. So if you, for example, you start with one thing, okay, I'm gonna learn every day the, the, the humash of the day with the Rashi. It takes you 10 minutes maybe, it won't take you more. If it's very long, maybe a little more. But usually it takes around 10 minutes. If you take a set time to always sit and learn this every day, this little drop of, 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 of water that you're dripping inside of you every day, every day, every day, actually it's gonna become engraved within you. It's not gonna be like written in, in, in paper. It's not like a storm's gonna come and you're, you're gonna be washed out. It's like, it's part of you, it becomes you. So that's what, what this, um, this uh, article written by, by Elie Tober, uh, which are from the teachings of the Rebbe, of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, is trying to tell us. And Rashi, he interprets this, if you labor in Torah study, if you do more than merely study and arduously apply yourself to the Torah, when a person dedicates himself in his fashion, the words of the Torah will become engraved on his heart. Even if his heart is a rigid stone, imagine, even if you're a person that nothing comes in, you don't believe, you don't, whatever. It's you're very hard to connect. Even if you have a um, tevuna, it's called, a heart, 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 like a stone. If you every day you dedicate a few minutes every day to learn something specific, something specific every day, every day, every day, then you will see how it will start penetrating your soul, and you are gonna be able to connect to it. It says that Rabbi Akiva. Now that we are in the week of Lakma Omer, Rabbi Akiva. He was at 40 years old. He had no knowledge of Torah whatsoever. He was an ignoranimous. Not only that, he hated the rabbis. He hated the Torah. Says that every time he saw a rabbi, he wanted to bite him. That's how allergic he was to it. And one day he's sitting by the river and he's seeing how the water, this drop of water has been falling on top of this stone for years. One drop, one drop, one drop. And he sees that the stone has a hole in it. And he says, wow, if one drop of water every day falls on a stone and it's able to open a hole on a stone, 
how would it be if every day I would dedicate myself one drop at a time of Torah? Maybe I could open my heart too. And he became the great Rabbi Akiva, like we learn from him till today. He sustains, he's one of the biggest pillars of the Torah, Rabbi Akiva, 40 years old. So there's never, you can never say it's too late, right? So this is the first key to personal growth. Um, there is no such thing as a spirituality, a spirituality with, without sacrifice. We're talking here about growth of connection with your neshama, with your relationship with Hashem, about refining yourself as a human being. It, it also applies to growth in other areas of your life. Obviously, if you wanna, if you wanna be a successful businessman, this is also an approach you have to take. So a field will not yield crops unless one plows and sows. And in order to make the divine potential each of us possesses grow and blossom, and an investment of hard work must be made. So people, people are not great just because. People are, have the potential for greatness. People are all born to become great. That's the whole purpose of us being here. Hashem wants greatness from us. He, he desires this, not perfection. Don't be fooled. Here not, we, we, we're not meant to become perfect because that's not the, the plan. That's not the purpose. Hashem is perfect, but we can become grand. We can become great. So there is another difference between writing, writing and engraving. When one writes the surface upon which one writes the ink, which one, one, one re uses remains two separate entities. By contrast, the letters are engraved in stone. The writing and the stone from a single entity, they're inseparable. So no matter what happens, these letters will always be part of the, of the stone. You know, the, the, the neshama, that's why it says that a Jew is a Jew, it's always a Jew, no matter what happens to him. No matter if he ends up in the worst places, doing the worst things, because his soul is engraved, his Torah is engraved in him. I teach many classes to many different types of people. I've been in very different places, people who are religious, people who are not religious. One thing I, I find in common with everybody is that when you're giving Torah concepts, when you're talking about the Torah, everybody relates to it. No matter how religious you are, how, no matter how, how not religious you are, how much you know, how much you don't know, but everybody finds that Torah resonates with them. And it's funny, many times I go and give a, a talk about something like the parasha, and people come up to me and say, Margie, were you talking to me? How did you know? <laughs> How did you know what I'm going through? It makes so much sense, everything you're saying. You answer my questions, you know? So it's really very interesting to note that it's not me, it's not me that, that I'm giving this, it's not me, it's the Torah. I'm not talking my worldviews, I'm not imparting what I think or what I believe or what I feel. I'm just talking what Hashem wants from us. It's written in the Torah. It's been there for thousands of years. This is our guide to life. I'm just transmitting this knowledge. That's all. I'm a, I'm a conduit. I'm a, a, a transmitter of this, a shliya of God. I'm not giving my ideas. And then people come up to me and says, but it resonates. I feel I know this knowledge. I feel it's, it's part of me. And, and it's true because we all have mamish, a, a 
practice of Hashem without, within ourselves is a truly a part of God. So if you're, you're, you connect to that essence, you connect to that oneness with Hashem, obviously this, the truth is the truth. You're going you're gonna to be able to experience it. So, so we see that it points to the importance of internalizing the Torah and making its teachings parts of one's being is that the, the, that the advantage to this, the, really the advantage to it, is that you connect to your essence, you connect to your soul. And the deepest commitment to God's service involves remaking one's nature to reflect His will. So we're here to emulate God, to, to, to Hashem is kind, so you should be kind. Hashem is merciful, so you should be merciful. Hashem is forgiving, you should be forgiving. You, you don't know the beauty that comes out from being a person that forgives others, that is not judgmental, that doesn't judge harshly other people, that puts, try to put himself in their shoes, you know? And we see that the second lesson of the Hukim, that these supra-rational commandments is that a person and the Torah should not be separate entities. We should not be like, you're the Torah and I'm me. No, we're one. We're a single whole. And this approach leads to, the, to, to true growth. For one proceeds beyond the limited vistas of his own perception and enters the ultimate horizons to which the Torah introduces him to, to, to lead. The way it leads the way, it tells you how to live your life. So the above leads to a third interpretation of the Hukim. And that term refers to the dimensions of Torah which surpass, surpass our understanding. So, Faith, faith, emuna, faith. We come up to here, and from here up is faith. Like there's a certain amount of intellectual understanding that we can grasp in this world. There's as much as we can understand. We can never come to understand Hashem in His totality because in this world, the way we're made up, we're made to be finite beings, where we, we don't have infinitude, only the soul. So what it says is that it come, the more you learn Torah, the more you troll with it, the more you, you learn it, the more you study it, then you're gonna have a bigger awareness of how small you are, how limited you are, how Hashem's wisdom is so grand and so big. And, um, and just as, as, as it is impossible for a created being to comprehend his creator, so too it is impossible to comprehend his attributes because he's a knower, He's the knowledge and he's the known. He's the three things at the same time. So there was a big, big uh, discussion about this concept from Maimonides, the Rambam, that he says that he's the, the knowledge, the knower and the known from the rabbis of his time. And they were very upset. Like, how can you define Hashem? You cannot give a definition to God. Hashem is infinite. You cannot say Hashem is this. You cannot give him a definition. So the Arizal, the Holy Ari, and all the Kabbalists of the times, they said, they, they explained this, that at a certain level, obviously we cannot say that Hashem is the knowledge, the knower, and the known. Because Hashem is much more than that. He, he's, he's, he has no limits. But from the ains of down, when he created these worlds, he contracted himself, he created four worlds, and the world of Asiya, um, uh, I'm sorry, Asilut, Beria, Yetzira, and Asiya, which is the world in which we are. And he contracted himself through these worlds to the point in which we are in this world, which is a black world, it's pitch black here. We have to turn on the light, that's our job, to turn on the light. 
and um, and look for him because he concealed himself. This is a world of concealment. We don't experience God. We don't see God. We don't feel God. It's a world where he's concealed. So we have to look for him and we have to reveal him in this world. So according to the Hasidic masters and all these Kabbalists, they said, yeah, Rambam is right. Maimonides is right. That from the never ending light down, or Sarah, these four worlds, yes, you can say that Hashem is the knower, the knowledge, and the known. But from the end of the never ending light up, like it's infinity. There's no, you can never grasp that. So the, the hukim, these, these mitzvahs, the hok, the hukim, which are super rational mitzvot, what they do is that they allow you to jump higher. You're not bounded by only these four worlds, like you're here and that's all you have. When you do something that is out of your understanding, out of your comprehension, and you're just jumping higher, then that's when you're able to transcend and connect to faith. That's faith. Faith is to really jump higher than your intellect, higher than what you can perceive. This is what it is. So that's why we have these mitzvahs. So moreover, such a commitment to study those more than engender an awareness of the infinite dimension of the Torah wisdom, as mentioned above, above, it enables this dimension to be internalized. In the process, a person, a person's ways of thinking change and the infinite dimension of the Torah becomes one with his own being. So you also transcend. You don't become this, this, this person that is constricted by what you can see, what you can feel, what you can hear, what you can taste. You're more than that. You, you are able to expand that. And so Parashah Behukotai is often read in conjunction as this week is with Parashah Behar. And on the surface, the two readings represent opposite approaches. The Parashah Behar, which we read before, it communicates the message of a personal strength and fortitude with, while Behukotai focuses on the theme of self-transcendence. So the first one is about your power, about your, your power. And the other one is about getting out of your power, going higher. So when the strength of Be'ar stands upon the self-transcendence of Behukotai, one uncovers deeper and more powerful reserves of strength than one normally possess. And conversely, the self-transcendence of Behukotai is possibly only when a person possesses the inner strength of purpose needed to make the required efforts. You know, I try to be very on top of these uh, classes that I record every week. I, 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 have, I, I try to have this discipline to always bring this content out. Um, I know from people that write to me that they really are, have made a difference in their life and that they're very, like, it really has helped them a lot in their lives. Thank God I, I get this feedback. But one, sometimes I think, okay, what gets me doing this? How can I keep every week this discipline of putting this content together? Sometimes I have a headache. Sometimes I'm running like crazy. I have so much going on. You know, it's not... It's not something when you do something that is disciplined, that is constant, that it's always. The only reason I can do this is because Hashem really helps me. <laughs> That's the, the truth. That's the secret. 
He's always giving me, me, sending me the right message to give forward. He gives me, he squeezes in the time so I can do it. He gives me the strength to be able to, to, to fulfill this purpose. You know, if it wasn't for him, I would never be able to, to do what I do. It's the truth. So when a person really understands that his strength, really you have to put your work, you have to do your thing, you have to do your due diligence, you have to do your effort, your hishtaldut. But at the end of the day, when you're able to accomplish, really comes from God. So we need that humility to understand that if it's not for him, that we, we would be zero. We, we could ne couldn't even get out of bed. So the majority of this Torah reading focuses on the rewards that are granted to us uh, when we observe the mitzvot and also the consequences that are part of not doing them because it's, 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 that's the system. When you do, you do a mitzvah, the, 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 the reward is another mitzvah. This is in Perkei Avot last week. The, the reward of a mitzvah is another mitzvah and the reward of a, of a sin is another sin. If you don't know if what you did was right, look what comes after. If you do something or say something and you're wondering, oof, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? I don't know if I did the right thing. Look what comes after. If what comes after, to, after is a good opportunity to do something good, you did something good. If after that something not so good, shady is coming in front of you, mm, then you have to think, okay, I did something that is not good because that is the consequence. So, and you end up going downhill. So, so we see that as the Alter Rebbe would say, I don't want your world to come. I don't want your garden in Eden. All I want is you, Hashem. All, that's all I want is you, is to have my relationship with you. And so, so as long as a person is concerned with his individual wants and desires, he will interpret the reward received for observance in that light. What is for me? What is the, the reward, right? People are always looking for a reward. But when in contrast, a person has transcended his individual desires and needs, and, um, and the only thing he wants is to be connected to Hashem and, and, and have a relationship with him and do what the king wants from you, then that's what you're gonna receive. We create our reality. That's the truth. We create our reality. Wherever you are, you are creating your reality. It's nobody's fault. You yourself, you create your reality. So this will create a self-reinforcing pattern for the purpose of the rewards grants by the Torah is to enable an individual to further his study and observance. That's our purpose. We, we, we come here to, to, to learn Torah, to do mitzvot, to make this world a dwelling place for Hashem. That's our job. And when we understand what's our place in the world, then the world is, there's no limit. So I wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.